my name is Jacob, and welcome to the 17th episode of The Folk Podcast. We've made it 17 episodes, and I'm so excited. So we have a good friend from the community here today and a very important topic. We have so many people that are in the military, either as active duty or as veterans who are practicing the old ways and are seeking advice, seeking help. So we have someone to help you out. We have someone that can answer these questions or at least help us answer these questions to the best of our abilities. We have Kaoden, we have Planty Pagan. She's gonna help us out, answer your questions. So Kaoden, go on and then and introduce yourself. Say hello to everybody. Hi everybody, uh, I am Kay Odin or Planty underscore Pagan on Instagram. I've been part of the Wisdom of Odin community for a while now. It's a wonderful place. If you haven't found them on the Discord or YouTube yet, please, I highly recommend checking it out. Um, I am active duty military. I've been in the Air Force for 16 years. So this is not new, although I am new to my current position in the Chaplain Corps. So my, we're gonna get into that, I'm guessing a little bit later, but when I started uh, finding other pagans, it was one of the first times that I've been able to do that kind of on a, a big scale or, or publicly, I guess, outside of my own family. I grew up in a pagan and Christian household. So split, my parents are divorced. And my dad and my stepmom, that was the pagan side. And then my mom and my stepdad was the Christian side. So when people ask me, how did you find this path? How did you come here? I almost feel a little underwhelmed with my story just because it was always a part of my life. But looking back, that is a huge blessing. And a lot of people are actually kind of not jealous, but they're just in awe that I was able to be introduced to this from such a young age. So I guess I didn't start calling myself a Norse pagan um, until maybe after 2015. It was just paganism. It was just life. It was just the gods and, and the earth and all that good stuff. But I'm here now and I found you guys and it's a great place to be. So kind of like going into the military side of this, um, what was that relationship when you first joined 16 years ago? Did you find, what was your experience then? <laughs> I joined at the age of 17 uh, out of San Diego, California. I left for basic training two months after I graduated high school. I wanted out immediately. I knew I did not want to go to college, so I enlisted. And my ASVAB scored me really high in mechanics. So I joined as aerospace hydraulics, aircraft maintenance. And I did that up until two years ago now. And then I retrained, so what we call it, reclass, retrain, into the chaplain corps, mainly because I was sick of things that bothered me and I decided I just kind of wanted to make a difference. That sounds super cheesy, but uh, there was stuff that I just couldn't tolerate anymore. And maintenance was no longer a, a productive fit for me personally. Yeah, I think one of the most popular, you know, the most popular questions I get outside of beginning into the faith are from military members on some very important topics that are, you know, something me and you discuss quite often. Um, and I guess, you know, we were kind of talking about this beforehand. So um, something I've been doing working with you is I'm technically a consultant with the military on these issues of Norse paganism and heathenry within it. So I'm really excited um, to finally be talking about the things we've been talking about for a while. But before we get into that, um, we all know you pretty well, which is, makes this podcast interview a little bit different because Ian, you know her a lot longer, even before the Wisdom of Odin community. In fact, she's the one that got you into the Wisdom of Odin community. Um, so is there anything, Ian, you have to like bring up or funny stories you want to bring up about K.O. then so we can embarrass her on a publicly accessed podcast? Oh, God. Uh... For my own safety, probably not. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, it, we've known each other for quite, uh, quite a few years now. Um, and yeah, like you said, she's the reason I got onto the Discord and everything like that. It's just kind of funny. 
um, how she found you first uh, on Instagram and hit me up saying, hey, there's this guy that's doing Norris Pagan stuff on, uh, on Instagram. And for the longest time, we were the only two that knew each other that were actively Norris Pagan practitioners. Um, you know, so we're some of the OG, I guess, Instagram followers. And then same thing with the YouTube. I got a text saying, hey, he's made a YouTube channel. So, you know, we both immediately like subscribed and everything like that. But uh, yeah, after like, what, like four months of constant nagging of, hey, get on the Discord, get on the Discord. Like there's a lot of cool people on here, a lot of good friends that are being made and everything like that. And yeah, I finally got on the Discord, but um, yeah, for my own safety, I am not gonna tell embarrassing stories. <laughs> smart man, smart man. Um, so moving to Sher to bring you into this conversation. Um, is there any questions you have about her journey? Because I know you and me are kind of in the same boat. We don't know more about her like pagan past, so to speak. So do you have any questions for her before we move into the military stuff? Well, I mean, just knowing Kevin for a little bit, uh, I know you're a big follower of Loki, which is really interesting. Uh, what what about like Loki called you to him? I don't know if he's your patron or anything, but I know you work with him. So that's kind of like where I'm curious. So when we're talking about bringing Loki into your life as a patron, I recently was introduced to an article shared by Peculiar Vixen, I think is her handle. She sent me an article about how Loki is not really patron material. And Laura, before you come at me about saying that, if you think about it, yes, Loki has technically fathered or mothered probably more creatures, beings, gods, goddesses than any of the others. However, when you're talking about a father figure, I wouldn't say Loki is who comes to mind. When you're talking about a best friend, a partner, a partner in crime, uh, someone that you can relate to, that that kind of more like an older brother, like a mischievous older brother. It settled a lot better with me when I read this article explaining Loki in that light. And that's how I resonate. Uh, I have said he is my patron in the past. I didn't have any better words to describe it. I've never taken an oath. I've never done anything, I guess, quote unquote official. He is the number one deity in my life. He has been for a long time. And when I discover that gods or goddesses are working with me, it's because I'm able to look back and piece together little things that have been happening consistently over the years and they just fit. And I just didn't know that that's what that was. And Loki outshines every other coincidence, which we all know we don't have in this space. Everything, all the things, all the things can be related to Loki. Trace back to him, part of him, he did it, he started it. He was the reason that I had this lesson other people have come in and out, but he's been my number one, my main man for probably my whole life. And it honestly sucked not realizing there was a point in purpose. And when I found out it was him way later in life, of course it was probably hilarious to him to be like, yeah, gotcha. But it's definitely just something that I was able to figure out and look back at the, the big picture and realize that's who it was. So moving into uh, more of the military related questions, I think um, first off, we should probably go with the, the strict military regimen of what are your credentials? What are you actually doing? Because I think you're very modest about this, but you really are working really hard on some areas that are really important to a lot of people. So can you go into a little bit more detail what you're actively doing right now within your military uh, career and job? For the military, uh, like I said, I joined in 2017. My first duty station was Little Rock, Arkansas. I worked AETC Command, Air Education and Training Command, which I would not choose to go back to. I'll just say that. 
not super exciting. And that was when I was hydraulics. I started on C-130s. This will be interesting to some people, Jacob, I promise. So that's why I'm going into that little bit of detail. Uh, my second duty station was uh, Hickam Air Force Base, Hawaii, which is actually Joint Base Pearl Harbor Hickam. And it's owned by the Navy, uh, which was tricky to navigate because the Navy is not, I'm glad I didn't join the Navy. Uh, over there at Hickam, I worked en route. So I was on 17s, 5s, KC-10s, 135s, and some civilian aircraft as well. That was when I really started to see the maintenance world for what it was, started to show its true colors. And I also became a sexual assault victim advocate to help people out, obviously, who had been involved in sexual assault cases. And then I came to Cannon Air Force Base, New Mexico, which I will unabashedly say is the best job I've ever had. Working for AFSOC, working for Air Force Special Operations Command and SOCOM, that's the stuff that I can talk about the least because I just don't want to say something that I forgot I'm not supposed to. When I talk to my old friends, we all already know all the things. We don't have to censor ourselves. But on a podcast, I could slip up and say something. Uh, I worked ASOC, uh, stationed again, like I said, worked on the uh, C-130Js, which are the refuel C-130s. That's when I finally started getting some good deployments. And that's where I met Ian, who was on deployment to Bagram, Afghanistan. Yep, he's wearing the shirt. <laughs> um, he worked on, out of Herbie, Herbert Field, Florida, which is our sister squadron. There's only, what, four AFSOC bases in the world? Yeah. So the other two are Germany and Korea, to the best of my knowledge. So Herbert Field and Cannon, we always do stuff together. And that was the last duty station where I touched an airframe. After that, I returned into the Chaplain Corps. And my first choice is actually, now it's called Special Reconnaissance, I think. They changed Southie. Yeah, okay, special reconnaissance. I wanted to be an operator because I wasn't super stoked with my life and the way it was going. But my daughter told me she wanted to live with me full time or live with me more. And because of her, I decided to pick a job that I could touch into that world, stay in the AFSOC world, stay with the operators and help them and still contribute to that mission and that subset of specific people and those issues and not actually have to be an operator, which is an incredibly demanding job. That would be my life. I wouldn't be home. I may not even have an apartment. There are people that are just, that's, that's all they do. They're, they're gone all the time. So I wanted to actually help people um, and not, I, I'm not saying this to be like, woe is me or give me attention, but because of the things I did suffer through and the things I saw other people suffer through, in my mind, needlessly, uh, I decided to go join the Chaplain Corps. And we have worked to not really make a name, but to more normalize paganism, heathens, Asatru, Troth, Druid, spiritualists, humanists, and people that basically just aren't kind of the big five. You know, they're not part of an Abrahamic religion, which is who we see getting most of the attention, most of the accommodations. I remember one time my boss complained about an Easter egg hunt because it sucked. And I was like, man, that must be so cool to just guaranteed have every single base you go to celebrate all of your main holidays. That just must be really awesome. And he had no idea how to respond to that. It blew his mind. He, he just, because people don't consider that, you know, when I ask people for, I ask my supervisors, hey, can I have this day off, this holiday, this is coming up. They have to Google it to make sure I'm not just trying to get a day off to go party. They know nothing about our faith. They know nothing about our traditions or 
why we do what we do or when we do it or it kind of sucks because people can think that you're trying to take advantage and i think that's what discourages a lot of people from speaking up for themselves or i guess coming out as pagan so i want to get rid of that i want to make it easier and more normal to be whatever you are obviously as a norse pagan that is my bread and butter it's what i know the most about and that's going to be the road that i'm paving intentionally i was approached by a sergeant first class at the air force base i'm stationed at up in washington dc and he told me that there is an initiative already in place at a pretty high level they are calling ministry to the nuns and that's not n-u-n-s that's n-o-n-e-s and that is to learn how to minister and support spiritually people basically who don't have a, a super popular faith and and the chaplains don't know how to do it because most of them are christian and that's not a bad thing i don't think i don't think they should be faulted for that the john court can get a bad rap for being very for not being very diverse so when you look at it over 70 percent of the military is registered as some kind of christian so that's who they are needing to cater to right now but they do care and they do see us and they want to make a difference so that is who i'm working with that is what i'm working towards i have a permissive tdy approved to go be a ritual leader at the yule gathering in kentucky next weekend or when this comes out it might be the same weekend i'm not quite sure but that is going to be incredible getting that permissive tdy approved is a big step for me personally and working in the chapel it is easier because i have that support system with the wing or installation chaplain and she did approve this trip for me because she knows she she sees me every day doing religious accommodation emails i get requests from all over all the branches all over america hey this is a norse pagan religious accommodation request how do i navigate that and she sees me do work she sees me work with you jacob she sees email traffic i mean they're they're really supportive and it's it's happening and it's super exciting so for our listeners that aren't in the military that don't know all these cdy things you're talking about what are you actually talking about as far as like because this is a big deal this is a big deal to even people that are not in the military what exactly is behind that request because now i've already forgotten forgotten the acronym ttdy just stands for a permissive temporary duty assignment so a TDY is a very common phrase that people will understand. If I need to go to Herbert Field, for example, for a week to go fix an airplane, that's a TDY. The military is paying for me to go down there to do my job. So it's paid travel. And they're not taking any of my leave, any of that. And they're doing it under a specific rule and table and chart that is coded to being a religious leader. So for our simple civilians out here, what that means is we are paying for you to go do religious things involving heathenry, which is actually really cool. I'd rather do that than you know pay Ian to do his job. I mean, I don't even know what Ian does. He doesn't do anything, I promise. You're not wrong, Jacob. That, that's pretty cool that, that she's getting paid to go to rituals and gatherings. Like, I'm jealous. She's over here doing a happy dance. Um, so I'm sure there's some military listeners out there like, oh, that's all well and good. But what I really want to know about is beards. Can I grow my beard as a Viking man in the military? Because this is a question I get asked all the time. So what can you actually talk about with this? Like, what is the current protocol? Is there a protocol? What do they have to yeah. do? Um, and I would also like to share my opinion if I'm allowed, because I've already shared right. my opinion with you. Um, but I have a very inter interesting look on this, um, but go ahead and go with what are the current protocols for this or what's going on right now? So I did look this up in our Discord. I had posted the specific 
I'm just going to call them regulations for lack of better terms for each branch, excluding, I think I didn't find the Coast Guard. But for us, uh, it's our dress and appearance, AFI 3629-03, that covers how you have to appear and look in your uniform. A religious accommodation means I have a valid reason to look different because of my religion. And we are definitely not the only ones. We are not the first people to ask for beards. Women, first off, uh, the only thing I can think of would be braids. You wear braids in your hair. You know, that's a way to pay homage to the, the culture, the religion, et cetera. Well, I can do that whenever I want. I braid my hair every day. For men, if you want to grow a beard and honor the culture, honor the religion, you can ask to. There are exceptions and there are new rules in place where you can actually enlist or commission and join the military without ever having to shave your head or shave your face. That is a new change. Your recruiter basically has to do the religious accommodation. A religious accommodation is permission that is granted after a supervisory review that goes up through your direct chain of command to so your immediate supervisor and then higher and higher and higher up to your first sergeant up to your squadron commander who asks the chapel where i work and this is when the point when i always get involved and the commander says hey is this a legit request and my job is to provide them with information either substantiating or not this claim uh, the chaplain will interview the member and see if this is a sincerely held belief, see if you're full of it, or see if this is genuine. Then they give the recommendation to JAG, which is our legal, you know, Judge Advocate General, that's our legal office. JAG will take the recommendation from the chapel, give their legal review, and then that whole package is sent right back to the squadron commander, and that squadron commander makes a decision. If your commander says, yes, this is legit, I will allow this to happen. You are allowed to grow your beard within Air Force standards, for example. I don't know all the other branches. It can't be within, or it can't be exceed two inches in bulk. It has to look nice. It has to be groomed. If it's longer than two inches, you have to braid it, tie it, secure it, roll it, hide it, something. It has to be conservative. Uh, it can't look bad, basically. You also understand that at any point in time, you can be told you have to shave. So this is not a, a carte blanche to do whatever you want and just grow a wild man beard all the way down to your knees. When you go, when you deploy, for example, you get a new squadron commander and that commander could be like, no, no beards. And they can pull your waiver and you will have to shave. Uh, when you PCS, you go to a new duty station or even a new shop on the same base sometimes. You get a new commander, that commander has to review it and you have to start all over again. So when people ask me for help, I make it very clear that one, I will not tell you what to say to get my chaplain to give you the green light because that is taking advantage of an honest system and you're taking advantage of probably a Christian who knows next to nothing about paganism. And as much as I love our faith and as people can say what they want, that is not fair and that's not respectful. This is also not black and white. We don't have religious text that says you have to have a beard or you're a bad pagan. Those words do not exist. I consulted someone in the community who is, everyone loves him. Everyone's a big fan, all the best. I messaged and actually got a response from this amazing human being giving a very educated point of view saying, clearly we can't say this is a demand. It's not a religious right. You don't have to do it. It is a valid way to honor something in neo-paganism and kind of recreate that culture, you know, pay respect to the gods, pay respect to the, the old ways. 
So I, it's, it's really not, there is no secret. There's no secret to getting a yes. It is a review. And, and I can't promise an outcome, but I can help you along the way, I guess is the best I can offer people. Yeah, and so like, I guess this is where I came in, you know, basically my response to this um, is very similar to this, uh, this cowboy in which you speak of. And, you know, can I say that, is that okay? I mean, you already gave a hint, so all right, we're good. Um, so, you know, my opinion is very similar to his. And it's the fact that if you look into the historical sources, you look into what we know from the past, is that beards were not crucial to the religion, at least to what we know. Now, what they have become, and this is something I've been a big proponent of, especially with the wisdom of Odin, is in the modern era, within our modern understanding of the faith, that most men who wish to be Norse pagan genuinely like to have beards. And typically, a lot of women like to braid their hair. Now, but once again, this is not written down anywhere, and it's not given as an official thing that needs to happen for you to be in this religion. It just so happens that most people like to do this. And so I think going into that understanding, when people message me about this issue, I'm like, look, you know, there is nothing historic that will get you this answer. But what I've been telling people is what have you done to earn this? And this is kind of what influences my decision making in this, this whole military idea is I don't think it needs to be something that you're just given. Like you're not enlisted, you're not an E1 and you come in and you're like, I demand a beard. Why? What have you done to earn this beard or this braid? You know, have you actually served your country? Have you fulfilled your purpose and your needs within the military to earn this? And so my recommendation into this is that if you wish to have a beard, it needs to be something that you have excelled in, needs to be something you earn. So I think it's like, I said it was like E5 or you know something, I forget the exact rank, Obviously, I'm not in the military, but I, I looked it up and I was like, basically, once you reach sergeant status, I think this is when you should be allowed to have a beard because you have earned it. Um, you know, because I think this is something like if you are actually deployed and it's like, what is it called? Like your, your deployed beard or something like that? Like people actually do grow beards when they're actually deployed and it's like a badge of honor kind of thing. One of the military people is this thing, right? Yeah, it, it yeah, kind of yeah. is. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of is. It's either like deployment stashes or deployment beards. Like it's usually you can kind of get away with a few things that you wouldn't stateside or anything like that. One of the official terms is relaxed standards, which can be authorized because we, Jacob, as active duty military members would never take advantage of dress and appearance standards. And we would never grow mustaches or beards that exceed gap yeah, regulations exactly. Ian would never have the mustache that is on his face this very moment that extends beyond the outer corners of his lips right here. He would never. <laughs> and this is what- It totally um, does. Yeah, this is when Ian, like the CEO is listening to this, like, really, take that mask off, boy. <laughs> Let me see that mustache. <laughs> it does also matter what job you have. As uh, we talk to Chris about this sometimes, he hates this, by the way, Jacob. Chris is a 100%, thinks it's BS, doesn't care, doesn't want to hear you whine. He is army by the way, for all the listeners out there. So whenever a soldier looks different, Chris just wants to scream in their face, why are you different? Stop being different. We wear a uniform to look uniform. And especially, like I said, I work in DC. Coming from Special Operations Command to DC, it is a completely different world. And if you work at the White House, if you work at the Pentagon, if you are Air Force Honor Guard, Air Force Band, if you're a pallbearer and uh, at, a, at a funeral, please don't expect to be given this accommodation as easily as a flight line worker, a cop that just sit, that stands at the gate or that works on the flight line that is not working in such a 
high visibility command as BC. The cops at the gate here have to put on their full service dress blues when a particular officer comes to visit, standing at the gate to take ID cards. That is a miserable job to begin with. Bless them. I wouldn't have patience for it. I respect them. They go through a lot. But I guess that's just a thing I also wanted to put out there. Please understand your job. You probably know whether or not you have a good chance at getting this accommodation because professionalism is a thing and it does matter. Uniformity matters. So again, it just goes to the fact, Jacob, like you were saying, it's not a given. You do need to earn it. If you've been a pagan for 20 minutes, please don't talk to me. Please don't message me about getting a beard. Please call me in a year. Hang out with the community. Find your own community. Find your way with the gods. Call me in a year. And, and I'll help you out then when, when I believe you have taken it seriously as well. Yeah, this is something that especially, you know, from an outside perspective, you know, I've watched videos on like Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. That is a very respected thing. And some, you know, as a pagan, I respect the hell out of anyone who does that because the amount of things they have to do and maintain in order to, you know, hold that position. Um, so for someone to, you know, assume that you can get a beard doing that, like completely defeats the purpose. Like, why would you even want a beard if you're going for something like that? Um, and then on the other side of it, you know, if you're in going into boot camp, you are meant to look like a grub, but also you're meant to join a uniformed group. You're supposed to be a unit. And if you try to stick yourself out, you're completely going against the purpose, you know, so why would you go, you know, why even join the military if your goal is to not be, you know, your goal is to be this unique person, you know, you're supposed to be a unit. And so looking in those two things, it's like, there's not a lot of area that allows you to think I deserve a beard. Um, so I really want people to reflect on these, these words I've said and, and Kaylin has said is it's not a guarantee and you really need to reflect in yourself, have I earned this beard or this braid? Um, so this could easily go into a, a full podcast episode on the topic of beards, but there's other questions I want to make sure we hit because there's a lot of questions people have out there. Um, and so to, to go with, you know, your personal look, your personal identity, what is the current regulation and the current, you know, look behind oath rings and Mjolnir's and other such pagan jewelry? Wearing jewelry in uniform falls under, again, for us, the same dress and appearance standards. And there is, for example, a bracelet in the Air Force. It can be no more than, I believe, one inch in width. It needs to be gold or silver, have a somewhat conservative appearance so it can't be super gaudy super flashy neon it can't detract from a professional image an oath ring a standard oath ring like i have seen on etsy like i have seen on instagram absolutely falls within those standards that should not be a problem you're authorized one one single oath ring um not one per wrist one mjolnir's it depends not what you are wearing it's how you wear it if you're necklace is so short, for example, that it sits up here and it constantly falls out of your blouse or even your, your undershirt, that is unacceptable. It needs to fall underneath your shirt and stay against your skin uh, so that it is not readily visible. My dogs are making noise. I hope that's not bothering anyone. There is some debate in the Army AR670-1. There's some misinterpretation or I guess interpretation uh, conflicts. Someone said that it cannot appear lumpy underneath the shirt. I read through that and I didn't see anything like that. They also made the point that a religious necklace should not be any bigger or differently shaped or more of an impression under your shirt than dog tags. I didn't see anything in black and white that stated that either. 
I am not in the army. I've never been in the army. I'm not your boss. If your boss just wants to make a standard to play it safe, that's up to them. And you need to take it up with them or their boss and do what your stripes can handle. Good luck. If you have a giant, Ian's Mjolnir is huge. It's big. People might say something. If it is popping out when you are standing at attention in your blouse, and it looks, you can clearly see something chunky and large and gaudy is underneath your uniform and you're, and anyone says anything to you, you need to be prepared to take that necklace off and put it in your pocket, take it home and find a new one to wear to work. That's just the way life goes. You have the mission first, no one gets drafted anymore. You chose to be here and you said you were gonna do these things. You said you were gonna uphold these standards. That is priority number one. There are accommodations, don't take advantage of it because you will lose everyone else the privilege. There are necklaces, there are oath rings, there are things that you can buy, things that you can choose that will fit into our standards. So if you wanna get your feelings hurt because someone doesn't like your specific necklace, that is enormous. That is a waka flocka flame giant clock hanging on your chest. Please feel free to message me on Instagram and I will tell you eloquently as an NCO exactly how I feel about that attitude. If you want to respect the military, respect your job, and respect the gods, there is a way to find that balance. So don't overdo it. Find something reasonable because it can happen. And when you do that and you behave yourself and you express yourself in an appropriate professional manner, you are going to also earn more respect and set a good example for us in the military, which I would greatly appreciate and I think other people would too. Yeah, to kind of throw my little two cents in there, because I obviously yeah, you threw my Mjolnir under the bus there a bit. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is a it is a pretty big piece, but luckily, like, I am a relatively bigger person, so I can kind of hide it. Um, but yeah, like, I have seen people not even with just uh, you know Norse pagan jewelry, but like Christian jewelry, where they have like uh, you know they have cross necklaces that are very large, and like they're not a big person, so you can clearly see it kind of like pushing through their shirt and everything like that. Um, and then also, I wear my oath ring as well. Uh, and the other thing too is you have to take into consideration is that with those pieces of jewelry like for example with my job you know there's certain points where I have to physically take that stuff off because it's a safety hazard hazard to myself um, which is a big reason why a lot of um, people have started doing the silicone rings or like even tattooing uh, on their ring finger because a lot of jobs you cannot wear jewelry doing certain tasks because it will literally, for better, for lack of better terms, deglove your your finger or your hand, or you know, you could lose a limb or damage equipment because it could potentially fall out. So that's the other thing too. I think would be uh, a good thing to touch on is that yes, these things are definitely authorized to a certain degree, obviously based off of their appearance, size, everything like that. But do not be surprised when you have to follow rules stating that you have to take it off. Like, I hate having to take my oath ring off. I absolutely hate it when I do have to do it. But unfortunately, you know, it is something that I have to do because of the job that I'm in. I would rather, you know, have to take it off for a few minutes to a couple hours than risk potentially getting my hand sucked into something and there goes my whole hand or my whole arm or, you know, something of the sort or even lose it. Um, I have a funny thing. I was going to say even here. worse, lose the oath ring. Yeah. Through <laughs> your hand, you'd lose your yeah. ring. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, I work in the logging woods and I have an oath ring. And sometimes we're, if we're mechanic in on something, I have to take it off or otherwise there goes my hand. 
I was thinking today, like, uh, I literally during this conversation, I was at the store yesterday and I had my Mjolnir just like out and about and I leaned down in my cart and it got stuck in the cart, like in the chains. And I was like, ah, ah, you know, trying to pull it out. And I'm sitting, now I'm sitting here like, man, imagine if you're like in a combat situation and your Mjolnir gets stuck and gets you killed. Like that's not an honorable death, my friends. That's the thing. <laughs> we have to wear specific necklaces on the flight line that hold our line badges that are breakaway necklaces. So that if you do get caught, the necklace will snap off because I mean, they swear up and down they'd rather lose an $11.6 billion airframe than one single senior airman. And I have no reason to believe otherwise in the Air Force. They totally mean that. But it is a real thing that your necklace can cause you. It can kill you. It can kill you. It can destroy a plane. It, it can cause a lot of damage. So that is actually a very valid point. Um, so one, oh, sure. You unmuted. Sure, what you got? I know we don't have a lot to talk about this episode. Yeah, well, I mean, all the content you got. I was going to agree with what Kaylin had said. And with uh, you being logging, what you know, with my Molnir necklace, it caught in the uh, window screen that's over the fiberglass window. And I had to like sit there and fish it out. And it took a good 10, 20 minutes. So, like, you got to be like observant about that. And if you're in the military, and you're in that situation it could cause your life or someone your your, your uh company i don't i don't know the correct military term there for like your buddy or whatever you're fighting with but you know if you're in that situation or you get out of step or whatever you're doing at that time so i have a two stories one everyone is going to get to hear on this podcast too only the people on this podcast are going to get to hear it because it's personal but it's still funny um so you have to be my friend to hear the second story so the first story is I used to drive a demo for my job because I used to work at a car dealership. So I got to drive different cars all the time. Um, so when I went to the midsummer gathering, I was driving like a Subaru Outback. And I had both of my ne necklaces on that time, like my very heavy Mjolnir and my Odin pendant. And I was laying on the roof of the car to get a shot. And I didn't realize that my pendants were scratching the car. And so it was deep, digging deep graves on the roof of it. And like, I got off and I'm like, oh, expletive. <laughs> like I was so but it was on the roof so I was like no one's ever going to see this so someone out there is driving around a, uh, a teal Subaru Outback with some heavy scratches in there and I'm so sorry um, so this is just real world applications is sometimes the yawners can cause harm uh, and now the second story so yeah! <laughs> oh Oh, gosh. That's not what I was expecting, and I love oh, it. Man. Oh, it's right. That's great. That's funny. That's Holy perfect. Shit. Oh. That is amazing. That's let's, great. Let's see those oh, teeth, Jacob. Let's see them. Did you oh, crack? No, they're fine. You got they're it? fine okay. now. But okay. I think it, like, smacked my gum really hard, and it, like, started just bleeding everywhere. That's perfect. Holy oh, shit. man. That is amazing. I'm really interested to see how much I actually leave of that. Like, I'm just gonna yeah. like, cut around that story. Oh man, oh man. Uh, so back to the podcast. <laughs> um, so moving back into some things that military, active duty military members ask me all the time is the concept of actually off, like giving offerings. Like what are their options as far as like, you know, when they're on base, when they're deployed? I mean, I don't even know what advice to give because I don't know what is allowed. So the, the struggle here is, is members that live in what the Air Force, we have dorms. Everybody else, I'm sorry, you're in the barracks. Should have joined the Air Force. The problem is when you're in a dorm or, or the barracks, you don't really have a whole lot of freedoms. So the rules are set forth for you. As far as what you are able to do, there's generally no open flames. 
smoke would be an issue. So incense, anything like that, leaving out raw meat or sugar or any food in general attracts wildlife bugs. So these are the problems that people typically face. When I was, I think it was my very first deployment in Afghanistan, I called the chapel and I was just like, hey, uh, I have, and I told them Wiccan, honestly, because that is more well known. And I figured they would just ask less. I would have to explain less. I was like, hey, I've got a, a Wiccan ceremony I want to do. Can, can you guys help me out? And they were like, yeah, for sure, come down. And they actually got so excited. They asked if they could take pictures because they never get Wiccans or pagans or anything like that. But I was able to light my Palo Santo and my incense and my candles and burn stuff and use the altar because, fun fact, the chapel on base is not a Christian church. It is a chapel. It is a sanctuary reserved for religious rites and ceremonies, not retirement ceremonies, not going away, not birthday parties, weddings, baptisms, uh, funerals, any, anything, obviously worship services, but not specifically Christian. It can be anything. So it was already ready for me. And I had no idea. And I imagine a lot of other people don't know that either. They will accommodate you. And so they let me go up and use the sanctuary. They hid all of the other religious insignia. So crosses or anything else like that was all put away. It was neutralized. And I got to have my time. And they left me alone in the sanctuary as long as I wanted. And it was super awesome. So that is an option. If you want to give an offering, if you want to set aside time, you and your friends or just you as a holiday, you can call your base chapel uh, or a chaplain because not every base has the same availability or the same you know facilities. But that is an option for people in the dorms. Also for people who are under 21, alcohol is everyone's favorite. It is not the only option. I know plenty of alcoholics who are pagans and they have not touched a bottle of alcohol for years. It does not have to be booze. It's fun, it's trendy, it's not the only option. Fresh juice, strong coffee, um, water, water from a stream, melted snow from somewhere significant. It can be almost anything. So you can find ways and also talk to your supervisor, talk to your shirt, talk to your religious affairs airman for the Air Force, religious personnel for the Navy. Uh, I think it's also relig religious personnel for other branches. Ask us, please give us something to do. This is what we like to do to help people. There are options. I can't guarantee it's going to be the easiest thing. I can't guarantee you're going to get it right away, but there are options. So moving into altar spaces as well, because um, I actually do know a couple of people within the military um, that I talk to on the side, and they actually do have like a mobile portable altar. It's really small, but they bring it with them everywhere. Is that something that you think is like, some more people can do because I really like the idea. I mean, it was really small, but as soon as they opened it up, it just had like a small spot for like a very small offering and then like a small idol of a deity. Like it was really nice, but is that something that could be more widely used? Absolutely. And actually, when I first joined, when I was shadowing, because you have to interview to be to work with the chaplain corps, you have to be the right kind of person. So they have to work with you firsthand and sponsor you in order to for you to be able to be accepted to even try to retrain they gave me a little shrink wrapped gift basket. And it had an altar cloth that I use to this day, five colored candles, salt, a feather, an abalone shell, a match, a, a scroll to write my spells on. It had all this stuff. It was basically an altar kit and they bought it and they had 20 of them and they'd had them for years because nobody came forward and asked for it. They said, I'm, a Wiccan, I'm a pagan, nobody pays attention to us, no one does anything for us, it's all Christian stuff. So the chapel bought a ton of stuff and no one came forward and took it. 
So your chapel can seriously provide you with things like this. And it may not be, I can't, there's not like a Loki kit and a Freya kit and an Odin kit, but there are things that they can do that they can support you with. And a, a travel altar, 10 out of 10 recommend. It can be so simple. You can pack it in your backpack. In a personal bag, I have a little wooden box that's, you know, maybe the size of my hand. It's tiny. But just like you said, you, a candle, a small piece of cloth, something, it, it's the intention that matters. And it's totally possible. Yeah, just to kind of throw my two cents in on that is like, I, yeah, I agree. I, it's something that is very doable um, and something that I definitely plan on doing for future trips, you know, whether it's, you know, a full-on deployment or, you know, something where it's like what, uh, what she was saying earlier with a, a TDY, you know, where I'm just going somewhere for an extended period of time and I may need this. Um, you know, I've already set up a box that I use for going to gatherings. It is like my mobile altarpiece of when I go to a gathering. It's a, you know, it's a bigger box because I plan on doing and bringing a lot more stuff to these gatherings. But at the same time, I am looking at exactly that, finding a smaller box where I can either, you know, fit the, fit the, the bare necessities of what I would need and think I would need. Like you said, a candle, uh, maybe some incense of some kind, you know, obviously, there are going to be some countries that you travel to or travel uh, regulations that you're going to have to be careful with that they could potentially be like, oh, no, no, you can't bring this in here or whatever. But still, like it, I agree. I think it's a huge thing that I think a lot of people need to start doing. And talking to some members of the, the Discord community um, that are, say, in the barracks or dorms, they already are basically living out of these small travel boxes because that's all they can have space for. And I feel like it's something that definitely should be used more often than just out of bare necessity. I think it's a good habit to have. Well, like you made me that little miniature Loki idol. So now I have that and that is like barely bigger than one of my fingers, you know, very, barely taller than that. And I have a little Hobby Lobby box and that's the woo box that I bring to gatherings. And that's, that's pretty substantial. It's that's bigger than a shoebox. That can fit a lot of stuff. There you go, a shoebox. It doesn't have to be a thousand years old and sacred ashwood. I mean, it can it can be whatever you have. Yo, you know where to get a thousand year old sacred ashwood box? Like, hit a homie up. <laughs> I'll call you later, Jacob. It it really can. I I go to Goodwill. I bought a ninety nine cent wooden box from Goodwill. What two days ago? And then I found another one that was two or three dollars. And I mean, this is very possible. Goodwill actually is a huge resource, I think, for altar spaces, uh, offering bowls, little things. It You're going to spend 20 bucks and come out with an armful of just convenient little things that will really help make a difference. So kind of, you know, reaching to the closing this episode, I definitely would give you some time to like give any last minute advice um, or bring up anything that we didn't discuss. Uh, but something that has actually come to me while filming, uh, filming this and something that we've already said is just like that respect. It all comes down to respect. And it's like, if you respect the military, you're not gonna demand so much out of it. You know, you, there are accommodations and you say, you know, you're saying they're trying, they're trying their best, but there are just things that you cannot accept, expect. Like you said, if you come in with a waka flocka chain me honor, like you are disrespecting the military and you are disrespecting the faith. And the same thing with the beard, same thing with the oath rings, you know, you want to respect our gods, yes. But if you were in the military, you're also trying to respect something else. You're trying to respect the country you serve. You're trying to respect the organization you work for and the, the people you serve with. 
Um, so, you know, even as someone like me, who's, you know, really never, I, I almost joined the Navy for like five minutes, but other than that, you know, someone that's not in the military, you know, you're probably both sitting there like, of course it was the Navy. I wanted to be an underwater photographer. Don't judge me. Uh, <laughs> there's only like three of those. And so um, I've definitely, you know, listening to this episode, and I hope people listening to this episode start to understand that, you know, because something I see a lot, and I'm not trying to call anyone out, is these people that have been practicing for like a week. And they're like, I want a beard in the military. I want a oath ring. I want a Mjolnir. It's not about, you know, getting things. It's about earning things. And you've got to earn that respect, both in the faith and both in the military as well. Um, so that's my TED talk for today. And I hope it really sticks with people listening to this podcast. Um, but Kaoden, anything else you got for us that you want to bring up that you think would be helpful for military pagans or military people of an alternate faith, or I guess the, the nun category? The biggest uh, thing I would encourage other people to do is to speak up. This, if something upsets you, if something bothers you, please feel free to vent it to make sure that you're in a good headspace, to make sure you're not way out of line, talk to your friends, talk to your mom, whoever. But if you never bring this issue up to your command, your supervisor, your chaplain, your first sergeant, mental health, whoever you're talking to, if you never give anybody else a chance to help you, do not sit there and be sad that nobody's helping you. You have to speak up. You have to do something for yourself. I am, so we've said it a couple of times, Jacob will ask at the end of the episode, planty underscore pagan. That's my name on Instagram. I'm not comfortable giving my first and last name and rank on the podcast. If you are active duty, if you are legit, I will give you my military email address and I will counsel you. I'll give you the, the AFIs, the regulations, whatever branch you're in. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be Air Force. I will help you figure these things out, but you have to speak up. And if you don't, I don't think you have room to throw yourself a pity party. So when you want accommodations, you want some sort of meeting halfway, you're going to have to step up and step forward and say, I don't celebrate Christmas. I don't want Christmas off. I want the 21st of December off. I want to be off weekend duty. I want to have the night before, the day after, whatever. And you need to give them valid reasons and you need to know what you're talking about. If you are so excited to be a pagan and you finally get to be yourself and it's really fun and you want to do all the things, I get it. We all get it. It's very tempting. But that level of uneducated excitement can cause other people to not take us seriously and not understand that this is a real faith. We're not just here because we watched season six of Vikings. We are here for a reason. And we want you to be excited. We want you to stay excited. We want to support you. We want you to work towards these goals. If you go about it the wrong way, it's not going to work out very well in the end. There is a right way. Just, just join, learn, participate, and and it's okay to take your time. And especially for the active duty members, you, you know you have to sacrifice. I don't need to tell you that. If this job isn't for you, if you hate the military, if you regret enlisting and you're gonna get out, fine, you're gonna get out. And until then, I'm sorry, you're gonna suffer because you're still gonna be held to the standards until you're out. And once you're out, you get to do whatever you want and go crazy and go wild. If you're gonna stay in, if you like this job, if you're here for a reason, you know you have to uphold those standards. And that is what is expected. And I challenge you to hold up to those standards and still be a proud pagan, a respectable pagan. Find a way to do both. Then you're really going to stand out and you're really going to set the bar and do it right. On that very serious note, I want to bring up Spiking Season 6 because now I want you to create a question for the chaplains to ask these um, people that want to have these accommodations. It needs to be, what is the best season of Vi the Vikings TV show? And if the answer isn't seasons one through four, they automatically get, like, you do not get anything. 
because if they say not real, the, you yeah. shave them right there during the interview. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, you actually have to be more baby face because you think Viking season five <laughs> through six is good. <laughs> you lose your eyebrows. That's the yeah. Oh yeah, completely. Like everything's gone. <laughs> the girls on deployment, gone. Um, okay, cool. So I think we actually, I mean, this has been a pretty jam-packed episode, lots of great information. So I don't want people to get lost. I want people to find everything they need. Um, so one more time, Kayo, then where can people find you? What can they ask you? Go for it one more time. On Instagram, my page is planty, P-L-A-N-T-Y underscore pagan. Uh, it will say chaotic Kaoden. That's me. And I am active duty. I'm in the Air Force. I'm stationed near Washington, D.C., if you're active duty, uh, you can find me in Global once you get my real name. I won't give that to you until you find me on Instagram and you seem legit. But please feel free to come by, find the page, explore. If you're not already a pagan, if you're not already curious, I mean, check it out. Meet all the other pagans here. I'm friends with everybody on this podcast. Their pages are pretty cool too. So check out the whole community, not just me. All right. Well, I think that wraps up today's episode. Thank everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us so much, Kaoden. Thank you so much for all this great information. Um, basically, everyone that asked me military questions, I'm probably just going to direct to this episode. So if you're at this point in this episode, thank you for actually listening to me and getting directed. Because like tell you, if I message you and I say, you should just listen to this episode, please just do it. Because we can tell you a lot more in an hour long episode than I can in a few words on a paragraph on Instagram. So on that note, if you want to be on the Folk Podcast, if you got a question for us, please email us at thefolkpodcast at gmail.com, all lowercase, thefolkpodcast at gmail.com. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And until the whole, it's gone. Whoa, where's the audio? Where's the audio? I got audio from nobody. All right, let's try this one more time. We're going to the All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Folk Podcast. If you want to be on the Folk Podcast, please email us at thefolkpodcast at gmail.com, all lowercase. And until the whole, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. No, that was a planned thing that we preemptively we, we all, said we were going to do this last right. year. Is it? It is. It is. Yes, it was. it was. I'm glad I duped you last episode, sure. <laughs> I know when you were talking about it, I wanted to be like, wait till you see what we do to you, Jacob. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I saw the glasses and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we yeah.